I'd like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land upon which this recording takes place, the Gubby Gubby people of Southeast Queensland. I honour their continuing connection to land, sea and sky, as well as their elders, past, present and emerging. Hey there, welcome back to the Men, Sex and Pleasure podcast. I'm your host, Cam Fraser. This is episode number 188. We're talking all things masculinity, sexuality, male bodies and men's experiences of pleasure. And on today's episode, I have the pleasure of chatting with Esther and William Diplock. Esther and William are senior trainers and facilitators for Gender Equity and Reconciliation International, or GERI, as well as program coordinators for GERI work in Australia. They are two of the co-authors of the book, Gender Equity and Reconciliation, 30 Years of Healing the Most Agent Wound in the Human Family. And alongside this, Esther and William are individual and couple therapists, educators, and supervisors in their company, Resonance Together. And they've been practicing therapists for over 50 years combined. You can find the Jerry work that they're doing, which is the gender equity and reconciliation work, at genderreconciliationinternational.org. And you can find Esther and William on their website, which is resonancetogether.com.au. And in this particular episode, the two of us talk about what equity and reconciliation actually mean, as well as the importance of not only single gender spaces like a men's group or a men's space and a woman's group, but also the importance of coming together and having multi-gendered spaces and hearing each other's stories and being observed and witnessed in those spaces together. We talk about mitigating conflict and competition, you know, who's got it worse, who's more oppressed than I am, things like that. Uh, we talk about the influence of religion and patriarchy on those spaces and the intersection of religion and patriarchy. And then we also offer some advice. Well, Esther and William offer the advice and I just listen for moving forward and doing this work. Um, so yeah, it's a really beautiful episode and um, it was really lovely to connect with Esther and William. They don't live too far away from me here in Australia, which is great, but um, it was a really uh, great opportunity to talk about this fantastic work. So I hope you enjoy listening. This might be a good time to describe what sexual intercourse is so you can understand some of the things we're talking about. At very special times, they like to hold each other close. God made their bodies so they fit together in a wonderful way. At one of those special love times, the sperm from the man's body can go into the woman's body. And in spite of her piety, she sometimes desired the more solid comfort of her husband Pierre's cock. Great. And the way that I like to start is, uh, this will be a little bit different because usually I only have one guest at a time on the podcast. So uh, having two will be a little bit uh, interesting. But I usually ask at the beginning for you both to introduce yourselves uh, as well as the work that you do. And then I'm really curious about what you're passionate about as well. So that's my invitation to you if you want to answer those three things. Well, my name's Esther Diplock and I'm um, married to this man here. Uh, I, who am I? I don't know. I like to think that I'm a reasonably free spirit in my higher self. I'm passionate and engaged in life. And I'm also a therapist who kind of works with mostly women, but with individuals with a lot of abuse, um, and relationship issues. Uh, and the other thing and part of the reason of being here with you, Cam, today is that we also work, both of us, as senior trainers for Gender Equity Reconciliation International and we facilitate community spaces uh, to come together and 
have conversations and work with people around the injustices and between the gender divide often around masculine and feminine that's set up in our world and mm. everyone of whatever gender and whatever sexual orientation is welcome into those spaces and that's probably part of what I'm really passionate about is working in groups with people my real love where I come most alive is seeing transformative growth that comes out of being in that relational alchemy with people where in the connection between us something happens that's profound and changes both of us in the process and um, I love doing that around some of those meaty painful topics often around some of our earlier wounds that out of that comes a transformative healing or a shift of consciousness mm, that's really lovely yeah thank you so much for sharing that Esther I'm, I'm wondering William is there anything you wanted to add to that yeah there is um I'm struck when I come to this space, Cam, particularly with you and and your podcast, it might sound negative the way I'm going to say this. That's okay. But who I am is a white, middle-class, educated male um, in my early 60s, and I recognise that that brings a whole range of cultural blind spots or can bring a whole lot of cultural blind spots mm. to the work that I do. Um, I'm aware of my privilege. I'm aware that I'm white. Um, and I'm aware that um, I'm a man. Um, but I also experience in myself a lot of feminine qualities. Um, but yeah, there's there's that sense of wanting to be humble enough to be open enough to the blind spots that I have in my own world and and the cultural background that informs me. Mm -hmm. um, what am I passionate about? I'm very similarly in my passion to Esther. I really do love creating safe spaces where people can start to trust being themselves more express who they are at a deep level um, and discover who they are is not someone they need to be ashamed of, but someone who they can really grow to love and enjoy. Yeah, amazing. And thank you so much for speaking into, you know, identity and privilege there because it's, you know, I'm a cisgender, heterosexual, middle-class white dude in Australia who's in his late 20s. And so that's something that I bring to the table and then cognizant of and and do my best to to have awareness around i have been working with a, a gentleman by the name of kukai nosakere who was i bring it up because he was just on the podcast a few weeks ago i've uh, been doing anti-racism education with him for the last two years and so that's been a real big shift in my understanding of like how i'm perceived as white in the world for example and so like part of part of the work that I've done around my personal development is like also recognizing that I'm perceived as a man in the world as well and what that means for my interactions with people. So, um, so yeah, I really am cognizant of that tension point as well of like, you know, I, I do have a bit of a platform and I do, you know, speak from my lived experience. And one of the reasons why I work with the men that I do, which is typically straight white dudes like myself is because that's what I feel like I can speak into with some sort of relevance and authority um and so yeah that's that's been what i've i've really spoken into uh on social media for quite a while as well and um 
I get uh, very well-meaning and well-intentioned folks say, why don't you speak about women? Why don't you speak about trans folks? Why don't you speak about these particular issues, you know, that are relevant for intersex folks? And I say, really, because that's firstly, like not my lived experience and not what I'm super passionate about. I'm passionate about like reaching the men who share a similar lived experience to myself and also I'll pass you on to the people who do that amazing work. Like I'm more than happy to refer to signal boost to try and like spread the word for these all, all these other amazing educators as well. So, um, yeah, so I do recognize that, that tension point. So I appreciate you speaking into it. Um, something that there was a bit of a thread there that I, um, I heard both of you share, which is uh, group work, right? So like coming together in those communal spaces and, um, you know, that brings me to something that I wanted to talk to you about, which is like, you know, the uh, importance of community and, and how we define community and what that, like what it kind of means. Cause that's been on my mind as I've entered into fatherhood a little bit and having a community of other dads around me. And that's been really helpful for me, but I wanted to ask how the element of community impacts the, the work that you're both doing. Uh, the first thing I probably want to say to that Cam is that particularly in the gender equity and reconciliation space. Um, there are many people doing lots of good work um, to things like bridge the pay gap, um, the gender pay gap, um, uh, the Me Too movement, all those things have been excellent part of our involvement. Um, even I, I work as a relationship counsellor um, so I do a lot of work with couples. Um, and I think the importance with um, group work is it's um, about making public spaces intimate and also being witnessed by the community within a um, community space because gender equity um, and the pains that both women and men and all genders have received has often happened in society at large because of the oppression of a system. And to get the full and true healing, I think um, it needs to take place in community. It's a little bit like, um, you know, a little bit like domestic violence, I suppose. You know, it's such a... Um, private terrorism that can happen in homes. But if we leave it there and we don't speak socially as a community to say, let's stay, say no to violence, then I think we're doing ourselves an injustice. So within the gender equity space, I think the ideal place for healing is in community where it's witnessed, where it's lived, where it's experienced. Um, so that's, that's my beginning response to community, mm -hmm. Esther. Yeah, what's there, Cam, is something around, like, there's a lot of works out there, and you even, you even name you, your podcast, you speak to or you work with those that you know that are like you on some level, or, you know, there's a lot of um, groups out there for generations that have been working with men or with women. There's beautiful works that work with the LGBTIQ community. Some of the importance for me around this work is, as far as I know, there's almost no other 
kind of works that are doing gender equity reconciliation work and bringing all the different intersectionalities together. Now it makes it complex, but to me, that's what community is. That's actually the society we live in is there's this broad mix of people and you never know who you're going to meet from day to day in work or in other settings. But what we're doing in this space is creating groups that then actually come into and form part of our broader global, you know, international community of people who are men and women and all genders and all different sexual orientations, different races, different cultures, different abilities and disabilities. Like there's this whole combination of people coming together to have the conversations that usually are sometimes kept private or separated with your therapist or in your men's group or in your woman's group. But to be able to have them in this space with men speaking their truth within the same vulnerability that they might in their men's group to be able to speak that in front of women you know like some of the women that's one of the things often women will say to me after a workshop is I I had one woman at the ask recent workshop who said to me afterwards Esther I thought what was going to be most important to me in the three-day workshop was hearing uh, like having the men see me and my story like I thought it would be me speaking my story and being heard by the men particularly but the community Mm -hmm. and she said what was actually most profound and transformative for her was actually she got to see the men in a way she's never had the privilege or the invitation to see men in their pain in their the the truth of the nitty-gritty rawness of their humanness that was so like hers that she couldn't other them anymore. Like she couldn't make them other than her. It was like, oh, you're like me. You know, that was the, and to me, that's that's the beauty of community is the, ah, oh, you're like me. You're different, but I, I, I meet you in this place where I recognize something that I would never have known if I hadn't got to sit and be with you in these intimate deep rich conversations about things that are usually taboo Mm -hmm. around our deepest gendered identities our experience in the world of who we are and in our body or the way we've been identified in the world and in our sexual experiences and sexuality yeah thank you so much for speaking into that and i've had a similar experience with some women that i've done workshops with I, i do like a workshop called um understanding male sexuality so it's a uh, and it's it's for for whoever has sex with men but typically a lot of women show up just because of the nature of my work uh, being you know heterosexually oriented and at the end of that workshop i um i have planned for several men to come in and sit on a panel uh, and and answer questions and share about their stories uh, and and typically one or two if not three of the guys on the panel share things like childhood sexual abuse and like the performative nature of like their masculinity and the way that they feel like they've had to show up for such a long time and how it's like really weighed heavy on them. And without fail, I always get feedback from the women attendees after saying that was the most impactful and profound experience of the whole work. The workshop goes for four hours and they're like, that last hour is just like transformative as you mentioned, um, Esther. And, and so I, I definitely um, agree that that is um, yeah, part of the power of having those spaces. Before we move on, I, I recognize that there's, uh, you know, two words there in, uh, the, the, the language that we've been using. And I, I am familiar with the words because I have 
had the privilege of being able to read some of your book, uh, but uh, equity and reconciliation, I suppose, would be worthwhile defining for listeners in the terms of the um, you know, the, the gender work that that you're doing. So I was curious if you're able to speak into what that actually means and um, and like what that what that looks like. Um, I, I saw a cartoon recently about equality and equity, and um, I wish I wish I could remember it fully, but. Um, it was three people looking over a fence, I think, and and basically um, the last two couldn't look over the fence, and they were short. They were too short, and so a bot and and one was equality and one was equity, and I think equity in particular is about the more dominant part of the culture recognizing they are dominant. And they have therefore have a, a responsibility almost for the safety and welfare of the others who aren't in that dominant position. And so the, the dominant person or the dominant part of the culture has to make a choice um, to be able to become less powerful or let go of power to be able to bring the other person up. Um, to an equitable position, um, not just equality, but let go of some of their power so the other can gain power and there's more equity in that. So I, I think um, in this moment, that's how I'd explain equity. Yeah. And if we go back to that little cartoon, like in the equality, the three men or the three people standing there of different heights have one box each and they can all stand on the box, but that still means the shortest guy can't see over the fence. Mm -hmm. Whereas equity is that the tall guy who doesn't need a box because he's tall enough, he gives his box to the shortest guy and the shortest guy gets two boxes and the other guy gets one box and that's equity. That actually we distribute what's needed for us to actually be on a, an equal playing field. Mm -hmm. Um we haven't kind of named how that meets with what our gender work is. Um, the little bit I'll say about reconciliation um, before we come back to that is um, the work is really based, it used to originally be called gender reconciliation work. Um, and then they've added the equity in kind of, I guess, to work with that, that tussle between the particularly the masculine, the feminine or the male, female dominant roles in society around kind of actually seeking equity instead of equality on some level. Mm -hmm. um, but reconciliation, that that word comes from that this work is based around the truth and reconciliation um, work in South Africa, which of course looked at the racial injustices between the Afrikaans and the Blacks in South Africa and Desmond Tutu, who the gender equity reconciliation work, we have a part, there's a partnership with Desmond Tutu and his foundation um, around um, working to bring reconciliation between these two groups that have had such enmity between them. And the reality is in every society around the world, there is so much gender injustice. And the work that we do, it's not about men and women being against each other. Like it's not it's not that kind of equity or reconciliation. It is reconciliation across the genders, but it, it's not about them and us in any way. It's about speaking up um, 
against injustice. It's kind of justice versus injustice. And actually on both sides of the fence, there's justice and injustice. And it's giving forums for truth to be spoken in a way that doesn't diminish the the pain, the distress on both sides, both parties, but actually allows for something beyond that to arise, for there to be forgiveness or moving forward or seeing the oneness, seeing the humanity of the other. Mm -hmm. So part of that word, part of our name comes out of that truth and reconciliation process. Mm. Yeah, thank you for speaking into that. Is there something you wanted to add with regards to how equity practically looks with regards to the um, element of gender? Yeah, I guess I was thinking as Esther was speaking that um, there's several activities that we do in the workshop and as well as being awareness raising activities, um, they highlight the fact that all of us are oppressed in one way or another by uh, the patriarchal system. Mm. Now, I'm not saying patriarchal system equals men at all. I'm not saying that at all. But there is a, a, a particular approach called patriarchy that disavows women and disavows men, but disavows them differently. And so one of the, one of the activities I'm thinking of in this moment, um, it's called the silent witnessing activity. And no one uh, needs to share a story in this activity. There's a series of questions read out to the women and then a series of questions read out to the men. And for instance, one of the one or two of the questions that are read out to the women, do you feel it's safe for you to walk the streets alone at night? And a lot of women stand for that very simple question because for them, it's not safe to walk the streets alone at night. Many men, don't stand for that question. Now, there, there are always exceptions to, to this experience, but say in a city like Brisbane, it's more likely that women don't feel comfortable walking the streets alone at night and men probably feel more comfortable walking alone the streets at night. Then there might be, I hope I'm not going on too long here, Cam, but then there might be another question, particularly to the women, which often always impacts me, um, have you had to take precautions in the last fortnight to keep yourself safe from being sexually harassed or hit on or whatever? And I'm always amazed at the number of women that stand for that question and hardly any men stand for that question. But then there are other questions like, um, for the men, have you ever held on to tears of emotions because you might re be regarded as a wuss, a pussy, or, or a sissy 
or some other word. And nearly all the men stand. Uh, another question for the men um, is, have you ever thought you'd have to fight and die for your country? Well, certainly men from my era um, stand for that question. And so I know I've taken a while to explain that, and I hope I've done that clearly. But what we start to discover is that patriarchal system that I was talking about oppresses women and men, but in very different ways. And so it's not about male bashing or uplifting women. It's recognising that we all need to be reconciled from the experience of patriarchy. And there's a, there, if you like, and I know I'm weaving concepts together here, there's a real equity in that understanding and a real reconciliation in that understanding. And that forms a lot of power for the rest of the group. There you go. Yeah, and that it's not it's not equal. Like it it, it and it isn't about equal, you know, like is your pain as bad as my pain? Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, it's like getting beyond that into what is equitable around actually us both having voice to name the pains without having to almost kind of measure them if you like or yeah, yeah. pair them or yeah. throw them off at each other and which it, is tough right do you do you see people doing that like comparing surprisingly not no i don't okay. think in the way that the workshop is in the way that we work with because i think i do see it when i'm well when you're working with relationships i'm sure you do oh, when i'm time. working with couples or when i'm working with individuals in my therapy room that's what i hear he yeah. did this he it's he's got that she's you know there's that blame blame cycle in the society that uh, that fosters that space i think what i love about the way that that we work is that it is about being witness to the other in a way that actually doesn't have to do that comparing and contrasting, but it's about being with the other in the witness of their experience that most of us have actually not ever really gotten to be with. Mm -hmm. In the recent training, we were in the States, um, William and I are senior trainers, so we were over there recently to help run one of the trainings, and there was someone there who is transgender, and I have some experience in that area but I haven't lived it's not my lived experience and you know some of the beauty of that six-day process that was an extended training module was just me getting to be with her and hear about what it's like for her the violence that she's had the danger that it might be for her to even walk through an airport mm -hmm. because it's noticeable and some people may be able to see that she is transgender and then she's open for this violence and it was this new level of me having loving compassion for those in the LGBTI community, which I have very deeply, but to actually sit in circle with her in the women's group for six days and to be with her and to totally celebrate and invite her and welcome her into the women's space and the healing for her to be in the women's space and then to hear what like to get it a, a different a whole different level an embodied space of being with her around some of the the completely unique and very different than life experience that she has had that i have not had mm -hmm. um i'm changed by that yeah. yeah yeah thank you for sharing that 
And, and Cam, if I can, I know we're talking a lot, but if, no, you're fine. If, you're riffing if, off each other. If, if I can, <laughs> I just want to go back to your question because it's a very good question. Do you find people um, kind of competing with their woundedness, if you like? Yep. Um, this work is 30 years down the track. Yeah. And the founders would tell you, we're not the founders, yeah. the founders would tell you that in the early days they made lots and lots of mistakes yeah. and there was a lot of that competitive stuff mm -hmm. in the early days. And they would also tell you that some of the groups that were hardest to work with were men's groups that you know, were part of men's groups and women's groups, which were part of women's groups, and you try and bring them together and there would be a lot of that competition. But I think they've refined the process in such a way that people like Esther and I can say, well, the way we do it now, we don't see a lot of that. So um, the container and the space and the way it's held and what people are invited into, um, not to get into story too early in the process. A, a whole lot of safe containing um, is the legacy of the early mistakes that they made. Mm. So your question's relevant. I don't think it happens anywhere like it used to in the early days. Yeah. Yeah. If I can ask a follow-up question to that then um, is, <laughs> do you have any insights or advice for people that, I may be listening to this and recognizing that they go, oh, should I do compete and compare my trauma or my wounding or my experiences of pain with others? What can I do to, to, to mitigate that? Do you have any suggestions around that? Yeah. I mean, the first one that comes up for me is take a deep breath, <laughs> um, ground yourself well and good and remember that you do have pain and it's okay and it's yours. And then listen, you know, shut up and ask, you know, like some of those curious questions, like help me understand what that's like for you. Mm -hmm. Or, you, you know, like noticing the part that wants to do the comparison and and actually then asking one of those curious questions that gets underneath to meet the place where there's another human sitting across from you who's having an experience that you actually don't know much about. I saw a little, uh, you know, picture imagey kind of thing of, you know, this big round circle and, you know, saying, you know, ease up, you know, don't don't judge other people. This, this is their life and this is the one little tiny speck that you know mm -hmm. about their life. Like this little dot in the middle is all you know about them. What if you get curious about what else that you don't know actually and, mm -hmm. and look to find some of the places where, where, Actually, the other thing I'll say is when it comes around to some of the gender stuff, the other thing that I think is helpful when there's that comparing and contrasting around whose pain's worse is to be able to, that important piece around it's not about that men versus women stuff. It's about stepping out and being able to go, there is a system or a, uh, you know, a patriarchal system that has wounded all of us and what if I'm allowed to look at where injustice is as opposed to where justice is? Because in the other, there will be the story of the injustice as well as mm. this for me. Yeah. Yeah. Something that I'm reminded of is 
circling back around to the the meme of the three people standing behind the fence on the boxes, yeah. I've yeah. seen an extension of that, which is, um, I believe it was a political iteration of that, oh. uh, that particular image where, um, yeah, it was talking about, you know, equity and, and, you know, the tall person having no boxes and the short person having two boxes. Um, and then the next kind of panel along was, you know, anti-capitalism or anti-patriarchy is just getting rid of the fence. Altogether, yes. the fence being the system Beautiful. that's imposed yeah. onto Beautiful. everyone, um, and, so everyone can see the game. That's reconciliation to me. Is yeah. taking apart the fence, like amazing, apart the patriarchy, dismantling it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I'm, I guess I'm curious, and like, how does how does the recognition of systems at play? Um, what am I trying to ask here? I guess like because what comes up for me when I start to talk about systems, you know, I, I have shared on the podcast before, so I don't mind sharing it. Like I'm definitely anti-capitalist and have, you know, some, some, uh, thoughts, uh, about that. Uh, but, but what, when I, when I reflect on like my own lived experience, I'm like, I've got no choice, but to live in this system, right? Like it's not going anywhere tomorrow. Like how do I, I guess like, you know, and this maybe it's like where reconciliation comes in. How do I reconcile my experience under this system? knowing that it's not going to change tomorrow. How do I go forward, um, you know, living within it involuntarily, but also like existing within it at the same time, because that's what's the only thing that's available to me. Like there's a tension point for me there personally, uh, you know, knowing that I, I, like if I use capitalism as a system that I live under, like I still got to pay rent. I still have to make money. Like I still, I need, I need to live and provide for my family. And the, the means that I have to do that is through the, you know, mechanisms of, of capitalism and, you know, patriarchy to some extent, I think they, they are, um, synergistic, yeah, uh, yeah. but I wanted to, yeah. So that, I don't know if there was a question that I formulated there at all, but just like curious to know, like how you help people come to that realization and then help them stay supported with living in those systems going forward and, and you know, dismantling it brick, brick by brick over the rest of their lives. Cause it's, it, things don't change immediately, you know? No, no. no. Um, it's a great question. Um, yeah. And I notice in me, um, I'm really curious. I'd almost like to be interviewing you now about your <laughs> anti-capitalism stance, but this is not about me interviewing you. It's about me responding to your question, is mm -hmm. that I think... Um, certainly over time, Cam, and even after one workshop, the more I immerse myself in the gender equity and reconciliation work, I still live, I still do live in, for want of a better term, a patriarchal system. Mm -hmm. um, but having done this work, and every time I do this work, I seem to get something more out of it each time I do it, even as a facilitator. Um, I, I start to look at the world differently. I start to make different choices in, in my life. I um, start to have a bigger context for understanding issues, I think, between women and men. Um, and I can make 
those kind of changes on a daily basis in my life while still being in relatively a, a patriarchal culture and system. And I think, I mean, there's lots of things I could say here, um, but I think it's not the only reason I introduced myself today the way that I did, because I now have, like I've had it for a long time now, but I now have awareness of my privilege. I now have an awareness of, and you reminded me that I didn't mention cisgendered heterosexual. Um, I can walk down the street and I, I walk, I, I can't even remember where I was recently. And I saw two men holding hands and I celebrated internally, you know, in myself to see that, that they were brave enough in this world. And, you know, if I'd been a um, fairly macho heterosexual bloke who, you know, um, doesn't like gayness, um, you know, I'm, I may have been much more harsh in my spirit towards these men. Um, but I, I think this work and many other works that I've done have changed me internally. And I've got a different heart and a softer approach to life. Um, and so the heart that I bring now is much more loving, much more compassionate, much more understanding. And, and I'm just thinking of a really simple thing, you know, um, addressing an envelope tradition is Mr. and Mrs. I might write now Mrs. and Mr. and put the woman's name first for a change, you know, um, and, and very simple and practical things like that, um, I think, start to affect change in the world, even though we're still part of the system. Mm -hmm. and, and I think... The, the easiest answer for me, again, Cam, is my story, my experience of being in this work now for 10 years. One is it's really important that I stay connected to the community. So I'm so grateful that there are regular ways that mm -hmm. we have gatherings and meetings now for us more so because we're trainers still, but there's lots of ways after you've done a workshop to stay connected to the work. Um, and to stay kind of immersed in that community because I think it is such an unusual um, place to be able to have these kind of conversations. But I know, like, I'm different. So I still live in a patriarchal world, but I have a different experience of being in this world now. So I have a different experience. Like, for me, a big part of my story is coming through um, the church, through a, a faith journey in a church that very much didn't allow me to have a voice and wouldn't allow me to speak. And yet I went on to become a university lecturer, but I'm not allowed to speak in my church. Like the, you know, the gender pieces around what I learned of that of a little girl about being quiet, letting men talk. I'm different now. I now have a voice to speak up. I trust myself deeper. I live differently. I, you know, am in relationship with a man um, and for me, you know, even being able to explore my, you know, my multi, 
sexual orientation my like you know am I bisexual am I what what like what fits for me I didn't have permission or space before mm -hmm. I was really in this work to even be able to do some of that from my background but I happen mm -hmm. to be in relationship with this man and we have these agreements with ourselves that I can invite him to notice his privilege at times or invite him to notice if he says something in some way that actually I'm seeing a reaction on a woman you know because it's come across as threatening in some way or or, you know, I get to to have a voice in shifting the patriarchal leftovers that are still here. He gets to do that for me. You know, I get to go and do my work around racial intersections that I've gotten to do in the States recently out of a space where I'm able to deconstruct and not just live in the system that I live in anymore. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what makes me excited is there's, there is freedom <laughs> even while I'm still in a system, I still live in a world where where there is the injustice that's around us. Yeah, I, I appreciate you mentioning freedom there as well because I've interviewed several people on the podcast who are either gender non-conforming or are you know, even just queer, you know, and the the common experience that they typically share is a sense of like freedom celebration liberation stepping outside of the norms uh, and you know these gender roles and these stereotypes that are kind of put upon us because we live in this particular society um and something that i wanted to to mention uh, just because you brought it up esther is uh religion right because religion has as we kind of well know especially the monotheistic religions have like quite strict rules around and whether they're like really explicit or just like perpetuated by the, the communities that are you know religious in nature uh, around like what it means to be a man this is how you're supposed to be a man this is what it means to be a woman this is how men and women are supposed to relate and so i'm you know interested to know if religion pops up in the work that you do in groups and how people People have pretty strong, in my experience working with people that are religious, like pretty deeply ingrained, strong beliefs about how they should show up in the world. And they may go against like the work that is you know, unpacking patriarchy, for example. So I'm, I'm curious, like, how is that navigated in the work that you do? With care. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 that's fair enough. And and with honesty, like we've just come back from the States two months ago where we were representatives for the gender work at the Parliament of World Religions. Mm -hmm. And so we walked around the Parliament with the 9,000 people from all faiths and no faiths and incredible number of different groups present there. And what, what was on the back of our shirts? Transforming patriarchy in religion. In, yeah. So, you know, we, we got a lot of attention, transforming patriarchy feathers, yeah. and religion. Like that's a kind of a big stand to, to take. And we had people from all different faiths, the monotheistic, and the reality is the gender divisions are in every society, every faith background, every culture mm. in the world. There is this like gender apartheid in some form that, that plays out. So it's very close. To, this, this work that we do as well is deeply spiritual. So it, we're often invited into different faith and religious contexts across the board. So, you know, whether that's Hindu, Muslim, Christian, uh, quite broadly invited in to hold these spaces to start 
breaking down some of these patterns around the the way that patriarchy actually wounds both genders because then we miss out on each other. Like when we separate into these harsh, rigid rules and laws around what's allowed, then somehow we miss the fullness of what it means to be, I don't know, in relationship with each other. I don't know if I'm explaining that very well, but but it, it, part of what I do love about this work, this recent workshop that we've just done in Australia a couple of months ago, you know, looking around the circle, we had people who were from very conservative Christian settings. We had a Muslim man. We had a number of um, people who would identify as of absolutely no faith background, no spirituality. And of course, when you tell it, when we tell our gender stories, as so much of our faith and our spirituality kind of comes up because gender is formed from such those early places of our identity, like our faith and our spirituality is. And so to me, the beauty is without even consciously addressing it sometimes, as we have these deep conversations with each other, we start to to have an experience of the other or we have an experience of what it has been like for someone of another faith or our faith or like those rigid places get broken down somehow in the face of human story, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think the way I want to respond, at least in this moment, is nothing saddens me quite as much as a person who comes to our workshops who has been really vilified and oppressed by pathological religion. Um, Because I personally think, and, you know, I I don't know who will get to listen to this podcast, but I personally think that good religion needs to be about love and not rules. And if some of the people in these religions, and this is just our experience, I know it happens in other really good groups as well. Like I'm thinking of one young man who was really completely vilified for his sexual orientation. And he was invited to, you know, go out with a woman to try and fix him um, because that's what needed to happen. And people's souls get destroyed by what religion does at times. Now, don't get me wrong. I, I it, It's sometimes hard to hold a middle ground in things. I'm sure religion in some places does a lot of good, but it certainly at times doesn't do a lot of good. And I would like to show some religious leaders how they crush people's souls in this whole area of gender, sexual orientation, sexuality, gender. It's It just brings tears to my heart. And, um, and so I get sad and, I, to be honest, I do get angry about it as well. Um, but I, I don't think, and I know people react to this word, but 
however God is perceived, I don't think God or Goddess is about not loving people and wanting people to be fully themselves, whatever that means. And I think so much religion, as you say, the monotheistic, but it does happen in sections of Buddhism, happens in sections of Hinduism, it, it happens in other kind of religious traditions where so much of the legalistic impost is put onto people and they're too scared to become themselves. And I love it when people become themselves in this work and they feel like we're giving them permission to be who they really are and they can be loved and not shamed in those places. Sorry if I got a bit emotional there. That's for me, that's, fine. that is spirituality. Like yes. is is love. That is love. You know, like and is and to me that's what this this work has been to me. It has been, it has opened my heart to love. Hmm. It has I love me now. You know, I love you I love you you know like there's a place of being able to stand in this loving open space unafraid with freedom to be who I am and a lot of that has come through the courage of being in this community in spite of or through the difficulties that I have faced that I am more than that and that you are more than that and that we can meet you know we talk about often about beloved communities. So in a workshop where there really has been that deep, rich, beautiful sharing, and, and I experience this whenever I'm with the fellow trainers in our in our community, I experience this place of beloved community. It's that place of open-hearted love, of oneness that goes beyond the divide. Like we we open up the space for the conversations of the divide, if you like, the the pain of the gender division and injustice. And then if if or as we do this work, through the other side of that is the, the letting go of the gender divides, the religious divides, the racial divides, the it's the getting through those dualities, if you like, into the place that's on the other side, the unitive consciousness, if you like, the oneness, the, oneness. the beloved, the, the yeah. place of love. And and to me, like there's some place where that's very esoteric. So listeners could be going, what's you raving on about? But I go, but it's not esoteric to me anymore because I meet it every time I'm in these spaces. You know, like it's yeah. not foreign anymore. It's lived. At, yeah, at the end of the day, gender ends up just being a vehicle towards oneness, um, to unity, as Esther said. And, um, you know, the more we can hold and witness our wounds and hear them, we can then go beyond them into the oneness, into, you know, a loving space. It doesn't mean we're all the same in that loving space, but we can hold each other from a, a very different place than before we had our wounds witnessed. And, and it doesn't mean we don't have emotions, simply, you know, like yeah. in that loving space, we, there still can be tears and 
you know, the anger at injustice, the, you know, there's still the richness of all of my humanity present. And that's another one of our principles in the work is not only do we work in community and groups, but we we also honour the fullness of yeah, all yeah. that we are out. We bring our full humanity in to mm -hmm. the space is one of our commitments that we make in the in the space. Yeah, that's really lovely. And thank you for sharing that as well. I, and what, what comes up for me, I suppose, as we, you know, I'm mindful of time, close this conversation down is um like it isn't just you go to one workshop and you know things are now different for fixed, you, you know, yeah. I, I i yeah fixed yeah yeah um you know it's a it's a it's a journey right it's an ongoing yeah. unpacking process relearning unlearning process and so i'm and so i'm mindful of that so and then i'm going to follow up with a question here um for your final kind of thoughts and insights is what's the first step in that journey like how do people begin that? Because that can be a pretty scary thing, right? To unlearn and to go on that journey of unpacking all these beliefs that you've had. But what's the first step to get that ball rolling to begin that journey? Well, multiple things. I mean, one comes up and just the the very practical invitation, come and join us. So so we have... You can spruik your work. I, that's, you know, that was part of the intention with that to, question. You know, it's as good at spruiking. I'm, I'm not as good at that. <laughs> Please spruik, Esther. <laughs> okay. You know, I mean, one way is pick up our book, you know, Gender Equity and Reconciliation, 30 Years of Healing the Most Ancient Wound in the Human Family. Hmm. You, there's lots of co-authors on that. It's I about, wouldn't start with the book. It, it's, it's about work all <laughs> over the world. But but, yeah. but, it, yeah. but for some people, that that's that little introduction. Yeah, sure, that, sure. You know, if they're scared, if this is really scary and they don't know what to do, the book is full of 30 years of stories of people like it's a place to connect with story mm, mm. and and to hear yourself to see yourself in the written word the other places is come join online for our one hour taster or a seven week online program that they're happening and running all the time um in australia our next um workshop that we're running is in march 15th to 17th next year a three-day workshop um, but around the world, you've got listeners from around the world, like there is workshops in America and Canada and Africa, South Africa and India and Kenya and the US and Europe and, you know, all over the place. So have a look at the website, um, www.genderequity.org. Yeah, yeah grworld.com. Yeah. Okay. It'll be in the show notes, so um, yeah, you'll be able right. to find it pretty quickly. Yeah. yeah. And And then the other bit is, like some people just come to one workshop or one and, and there is already a shift and it's like, mm -hmm. and that's enough. And then for other people, it is that pull back into the continuing to deepen in their work and continue to keep it alive in their relationships and their conversations with people. Mm -hmm. So, and, and then go do your therapy work afterwards, because sometimes what happens is it, it, some of us are unconscious. I think particularly in some you know, it, especially when we have privilege. So I'm a privileged, uh, I'm a white, Western heterosexual woman, you know, who who also is educated, who has lots of privilege. So sometimes I can be a little bit naive about how I or others are impacted by patriarchy. So some of it is coming and, and exploring it and opening it up and then take it into maybe some therapeutic spaces or to other relationships. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, amazing. Is there anything else you wanted to add, William? No, I don't think so. I I, I mean, 
I'm, I'm not sure what you are going to put in the notes, but I'm always happy to have a conversation with people as well. You yeah. know, if people just want to ring me and particularly men, if they want to ring me and um, talk to me about it, I'm very open for that to happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. amazing. That's a great offer. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, our yeah. company is Resonance Together. So resonancetogether.com.au if people want to reach out or connect with us individually in some way, either therapeutically or just doing... Yeah, talk, talk about, about the gender the work. The jury work. Yeah. yeah, fantastic. I really appreciate you, um, you know, speaking into the work today. You know, it's not something that I've spoken too much about on the, the podcast, maybe snippets here and there, but to have like a dedicated conversation about it, I think is really important. And, you know, I was very grateful to receive a copy of the book as well. Um, so I can definitely recommend it as a, uh, either a starting point or for people that have already gone down this path, you know, adding it to their, their collection of resources. Um, you're right. There is a lot of stories in there and that was something that stood out to me. So, um, yeah, I can, I can get behind that and I'm just grateful to, you know, have the two of you now kind of in my life, you know, for, um, for, for the small amount of time that we've known each other. And I'm definitely yeah. interested in, in coming along to some of the training. So yeah, just really, really, uh, thankful. So yeah, appreciate you. Well, thank you, Cam. We're yeah. we're grateful to know you too, and um, appreciate you giving us time on your podcast. And I mean, when we get off the podcast, it, at some stage, it might be nice to hook in in other ways. So, thank you for your time. Yeah, yeah, of course, no worries. And, and I've been enjoying listening to some of your podcasts. Oh, that's so today. lovely. You Thank know, you. it's been it, there's been a couple particularly that have just hit my heart, you know, and have been really beautiful to listen to. So I really appreciate that. Yeah, I sometimes yeah. forget that people are listening to the podcast. I just yeah. kind of put it out yeah. there, and so it's lovely to have that reflected yeah. back. So thank you yeah. so much. Yeah, I'd I'd echo that. I I probably haven't listened to as much as Esther, but I've listened to two half podcasts at this stage. So oh, you're amazing. Enjoyed it. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you very much. Well, um, I, I will let you go. I know it's the end of our work days and I've got to go yeah. and cook some dinner for my lovely family, but yeah, it was absolutely. lovely to see you both again. And I'm sure we'll talk again really soon. All right. Thanks, Thanks mate. Cam. See, see you. Bye.